Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today, God. I thank you, um, Father, that your mercies are new every morning, God. I thank you, Father, that you're faithful. I thank you that you are the ancient of days. Father, I thank you that you are sovereign and nothing takes you by surprise. I thank you, God, that you are a provider, that you are the banner over us, God, that you are our refuge from the storm, that you speak to the wind and the waves, God that you are our peace and you are our comforts, God, that you are wisdom, Father. And I just pray as we come together as the body of Christ, um, that you would speak to us and that our hearts would be good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, everybody. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. I won't fear. I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. My cup's overflowing. My cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me. No weapon can Thank you. 
Lord is my shepherd, everybody. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. I won't fear. I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing.
that truth, God. Oh, Jesus, you are our comforter, Lord. Thank you, Father, that your love endures forever. And I pray, oh God, that we would be people, Father, who have truly submitted our lives unto you, Lord. That we're not a people who just hold a form of religion. But God, that we are truly the people of God. People who have been born again of a new nature. Empowered by your very presence and Holy Spirit within us, Lord. You've given us everything we need to live a godly life. To walk in victory. May we be encouraged this day, my God, as we open your word. As you speak to us, Father. Pray, O God, that we would recognize that it's your kindness that draws us to repentance. Your desire is that none shall perish. Pray, God, that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit as your word is going forth. Father, that you would bring correction to our hearts and our lives. And that we would grow and mature. Turning away from evil and doing what is right. Seeking for peace and working hard to maintain it peace of God in this troubled world oh how we need your peace so open our ears and our eyes today and with the Holy Spirit we cry out come Lord Jesus come in Jesus name amen good morning to everyone 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. The kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, but it's a power. Power, you all. To live this life in which Jesus came to give us. To walk afresh and anew. To no longer be slaves of sin, but now slaves to righteousness. Right living with God. And we recognize that in and of ourselves, we will not live right. In and of our old natures, we are just sinners. Rebellious towards the living God. Seeking to please ourselves. But as we know, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever would believe in Jesus shall not die but have everlasting life. Remember, Jesus says, I've come to give life and life in the abundance. And are we experiencing that? Are you experiencing life in abundance? Now, if your mind goes to the temporal things, the temporal wants, then you got the wrong concept of what abundance is. The abundance in which Christ came to give us 
is a life that can be lived upright in a crooked world. A life that can live in, in accordance to His will and His desire. That when the life is screaming and everything around us is pressing up against us, that we can maintain peace, joy, love. That we would maintain hope, the abundance to get us through each and every single day. And not lose sight of the one who has called us into freedom. Freedom, you all. Life in the abundance. Trusting in Him. Day in and day out. Not making excuses for our shortcomings. Not just continue to be entangled with sin. Not continue to live out of the old mindset. The old ways. No, but to walk in a newness. That your eyes have been opened. To Jesus you are. In a day and age, which we keep talking about, and you can't help but notice, it's getting darker and darker. But we as the church should not be cowering down. And we should not be entangled with the culture. We don't belong there anymore. We're of the kingdom of God. And so we must act like kingdom-minded people. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. And when we recognize, wait a minute, this area of my life in which I'm okay with the culture, then we need to recognize something's wrong. That's a stronghold that needs to be demolished because as kingdom people, we are not yoked. We are not drawn to the culture. Because we know this culture, we know everything about the old nature is in rebellion against God. And it's on the level of increasing strife, murder, <laughs> gossiping, backbiting, perversion, lust. I mean, for goodness sakes, we live in a nation now that you could kill a baby, have an abortion at nine months, and people are like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's a woman's right. Where have we gone? We see nine-year-olds, 11-year-olds being paraded into gay clubs, dressing up as women to perform. And people are throwing money at them, celebrating their choice. We're living in crazy times. People are just hungering more and more and more and more for themselves. They just want the right to live for themselves. Divorce is on the increase. I mean, just look out there. It's crazy what's happening. But what else do sinners know to do? Then sin. What else? So we're not to be shocked. It shouldn't shock us. No, it should grip us to go, oh God, you're coming soon. Because if you know the word, he tells you, before I return, it's going to get darker. It's going to get crazier. 
And so our war and our battle is not against the lost. It's against rulers and principalities and air of the darkness. And we cannot stand in and of ourselves against that. But God has given us the weapons of our warfare. A life that is to be totally dependent upon Him to accomplish His purpose on this earth. If you're a child of God, you are, have been engrafted into His kingdom. Are you praying daily kingdom-minded prayers? Or are we still just enslaved to our flesh and we're just play, praying soulish prayers? Oh, we got to grow up. We got to be alert. Our enemies prowling around seeking whom he may devour. And we're cowering in a corner because our bills can't be paid. <laughs> we're given into lust because we don't know how to stand up against it. We're given into gossip and backbiting and coddling people because we don't have the boldness to speak truth. That's not how kingdom people live. You don't see that anywhere. In the Old Testament or the New Testament. They stood for God. They knew whom they belonged to. Throw me in the dungeon with the lions. Lock me away in the depths of the prison. Do whatever. But I will not turn against my God. Because he is my God. He has delivered me from captivity, from the old man and the old woman. I'm no longer a slave. My past does not define me. And so I seek to know the one who defines me now. Are you seeking him? Do you have a desire for him? Because it's nothing that you can work up in and of yourself. He gives it to you. If you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, it is because Jesus himself, by his Holy Spirit, has given that to you to draw you even closer to him. But if you just come to church, just to show up, just to do, Jesus isn't working in you. You're just here on your own accord for your own purpose. And you'll know which side you're on. Just look at your life. Look at your life. Oh, but my God, my God. In this day and age, in this day and age, oh, that the kingdom of God that his people that are in his kingdom would stand up and begin to act like it. Amen. Not settling anymore, you all. Not giving in to everything and anything. It's just not worth it anymore to continue to look back and gaze upon where you came from. It's not worth it to continue to be enslaved to the same old, tired mindset. As if you're somebody, because you're not. Because in the end, you're going to experience his wrath. 
and why on earth, and I've, and I've asked us this for many years, why would we choose his wrath when he has been so kind and so gracious to reveal his love to us? Like, really think about it the next time you go to say something you ought not to say. Do I have a right to say it? Oh, yeah, you do. Say it for as long and as loud as you want. <laughs> but you're going to have to stand before the living God and give an account for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. That's what he says. Like, I don't know where we as the church... Throughout generations, think it's okay to water down his message. To treat him as if he's just a common man. As if what he did means nothing. It's not how the church is supposed to act. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are purposed for such a time as this to work together as a full functioning body to accomplish his purpose. Mm. To be out there among the lost, not hating them, loving them. Bearing witness to the one who has redeemed you from it. So how can we bear witness if we look like them? When's the last time someone noticed transformation in your life? that you can't take credit for. But all the glory and honor to Him. All the glory and the honor to Him. <laughs> you see, the devil's working overtime. And I've shared with you the past couple of weeks. Like our theology... Our understanding of God can't come from the devil. But there's a lot of people sitting in church today. That's who's teaching them. The devil. I mean, I always find it fascinating. We talked about this before. That the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the men of God of the days of Jesus. Jesus called them the children of the devil. They were running the church. They were running the church. They were keeping God's people from God. Think about that. See, the enemy knows his time is coming. And he wants to step in and cause us to long for what he's offering. He wants your affection. And he knows exactly your weaknesses. He knows exactly what it's going to take for you to crumble. To give in. To touch it one more time. To think about it one more time. To have a bad attitude one more time. Because he wants to steal your heart. And your affection. For the things of God. But we must remember as Christians. If you're sitting here and you're truly a Christian. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The enemy has no, no, no rights to you as a believer. 
So stop giving your affection towards him. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. If you truly know Jesus and your eyes have been opened, you know good and well, you feel the conviction, even before you go to do something you know you ought not to do, but even if you do it, you still feel the conviction like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But yet in your pride and your arrogance, you don't repent. You say, oh, well, nothing really happened to me. Nothing happened, so it must be okay. And when it's presented to you again, yet again you go. And yet again you go. And yet again you go. And yet again you go. Further and further and further and further away from the one who revealed himself to you. And now you're yoked back up to slavery and to bondage. But I believe as that song was played earlier that Jesus is calling the prodigals home. I believe that there are people out there who've been in the church who know the way of God and yet they've gone their way and God is calling them home. I believe that even as the days are growing darker we're going to see just a mighty move of people turning to God. Standing for righteousness. We're going to see the dividing line drawn. And I believe the people of God are going to stand up and say, No more. No more. No more. And again, our, our battle is not with the lost, we're to serve them, we're to love them, even if they reject us. Even if they push back on us. Even if they lock us up in prison. Even if they beat us. Torture us. Kill us. And yet ask yourself. How'd you act when someone looked at you wrong this week? Or cut in front of you? Or said something about you? See, we got to get over the pettiness. And realize Jesus himself said, they will throw you out of religious institutions. They will even kill you, thinking they're doing the will of God. That's how deceived people are. So when we get together, y'all, I want to be able to encourage us to stand. We need to encourage each other to stand. We really need to hold each other accountable. Are you in the word? Are you growing in the word? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you applying things to your life? Are you kingdom minded? Are you maturing? Are you growing? Because the days are evil. The days are evil. But where the children of God called according to his purpose for such a time as this, you all. You are purposed. Like God purposed you for today. 
Like the Bible says, he's prepared good works for you to do today for his kingdom. Religious folks don't get it. Religious folks just want to hold a form of religion. Oh, I went to church, oh, whatever, huh? And they just go running back wild, butt wild up in the world. But God's people understand the urgency of the hour, the urgency of the day. I'm not living for self. God, I'm living for you. Are you asking God for divine appointments? Are you asking God for disciples? Are you discipling people? You ought to be. You ought to be. Well, I don't know everything. You don't need to know everything. <laughs> you know Jesus. That's where you start. You know Jesus. Are you praying? Are you being purposeful when you get out into public? Are you asking God, God, I want to be attentive to your leading. Kingdom minded. Not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. Honoring Christ with our bodies, with our minds. Loving Him with all of us. Do you love Him? Does He have your affection? Because everything out in that world wants to draw you in. Well, that little bit won't hurt. Careful. <clears throat> Careful. What may not have hurt back 10 years ago, it'll kill you today. Give it one look. Be enticed for it, just for a second. Shuck and jive to it and watch it take you down. The enemy's not playing comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Christians, Christians should not be giving him the right to their lives. Remember I told you, he has no authority and no right to you, only what you give him. And if you step out under the covering of Christ, Remember, your position as a Christian now is in Christ. You step out of that, what else you have? But your old ways, your old mindsets, your old desires. I mean, it sickens me when I read reports how lust, perversion, is running amok in the church. I mean, it sickens me and everything else runs amok in the church. The gossiping, the backbiting, the here and there, the lukewarmness. But it saddens me when I, when I read reports that the porn industry makes more money off of Christian conferences. People go into, into cities. To learn of Jesus and yet masturbating in their hotel rooms. Drawing up porn on the TV. Hotel people. They know when their porn money <laughs> and what they receive from that is on the increase is during Christian conferences. How insane is that? And then we parade in and we lift up our hands to a holy God. <laughs> I 
And then we go back to our homes, not bound to Christ, bound to porn. But we did something. <laughs> what did you do? Well, it's no different than any, anything else of the flesh. No difference. You got a bad attitude. You got a mouth on you. You got anger problems. <laughs> but I went to the conference. I went to church. I spent six hours in prayer. I read my Bible. Praise Jesus. And you have no control over your anger? The Bible says don't even eat with you. Like, I don't know what it's going to take to wake us up. Like, this is the living word of God. The living word of God. It's not a suggestion. It's not something we add to our lives. You don't add Jesus to your life. You die to your life and you live his. And then you take the word the living word, and you live it. Not in your own strength, but you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. God himself is in you. And that's why we're not to live a life that grieves him, but a life that honors him. And again, it's not about living a perfect life, but it is about living a maturing life. You sin, repent. Get up. It's not to be your master. You're not to be a slave to sin. You've been washed clean. There's a newness about you. The old doesn't fit because it doesn't belong where you're at now. It doesn't. In Romans 6, it says you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a slave to righteousness. And so today, I want to talk about the way to righteousness. Next Sunday, we will be picking back up and walking through the Bible, for sure. Because I think I've gotten everything that God has been putting into me to share with you out after today's message. And then hopefully we would have a right mindset and the right heart attitude to reopen up His Word and to walk through it. Through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, through Psalms, through Proverbs getting together weekly to discuss it, to meditate upon the Word, how it's impacting our lives. But there's been a stirring within me over the past month or so. And this is the final, if you would, message to kind of like the little series I've been in with you all. The way to righteousness. Righteousness, what is it? Right standing with God. You've been justified. You've been cleansed. You've been forgiven. You're no longer rebellious. At least you ought not to be. <laughs> because you're of a new nature now. And the way to righteousness is only through Jesus. He is the way. <laughs> he is the truth. He is the life. Go to Proverbs for me. Chapter 12, verse 28. The way to righteousness. To live upright in a crooked world. We've heard it here multiple times in Genesis. It tells you sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to master you. 
but you must master it. We have to put application, you all, to this new life. We're not to be weak-willed people any longer. We've been given the Spirit of God. We've been given the weapons of our warfare. We've been given what we need to go forth and advance His kingdom. Not retreating, not going back, not giving up ground, but advancing forward. Trusting in the very one who calls you out as his own. To live a life that honors him. And in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28, look at this. The way of the godly leads to life. That path does not lead to death. Some translation says, or what mentions the way to righteousness. There is a way unto righteousness. And it doesn't lead to death. Remember, righteousness, right standing with God, a godly life, it can be lived. We make more excuses. It's the most craziest thing. I'm just as guilty. Listen, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. The way of the godly leads to life. That path does not lead to death. Think about that as you're going through your week this upcoming week. Remember this scripture. Write it out. Get it before you. And as you go to think upon things, as you go to say things, as you go to put your hand to something, as you go to go do something that you know you ought not to do, remember this. The way of the godly leads to life. You want application? Ask yourself. Give thought before you do. Is what I'm about to think, what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, is it going to lead to life? Is it right? <laughs> is it honoring God? Is it showing that I trust God? And if not, then understand the only outcome of that action, thought, word, deed, is death. Is death. Death. Nothing good is going to come from it. Destruction will come from it. Remember what the Bible says. We're to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Jesus Christ, of His Lordship over our lives. That has to be applicable to your life. It just can't be a verse. But are we doing it? Like we allow things just to go, but no, we've got to start warring against the thoughts that come. Because as you think, so you go. As you think, so you go. But I'm a Christian, and your word says that you transform me by changing the way I think. God, I know how I would think in and of myself. My flesh is warring against your spirit within me. But I know that you are greater than my flesh. For I have crucified myself to your cross. 
I'm following you, so teach me, Holy Spirit. I want to take that thought captive. Could you imagine if Christians would show up to conferences and instead of ordering porn, (laughs) they remembered this? Could you imagine if Christians show up for church and instead of backbiting, gossiping, and slandering people, they would remember this? Do you imagine if Christians thought about this before they attacked the loss? They will learn to love and serve. They will learn to pray, God, give me eyes to see them as you love them. Because in of myself, I can't love them. But God, you can. And I'm your vessel. Let me be your hands and feet. Even if they reject me. Even if they spit on me. Even if they say whatever they're going to say. Because I know ultimately, God, it's not me that they're rejecting. It's you. So there is a way to righteousness to life and we must remember this we must recognize it and not go the way of death any longer not go the way of destruction any longer and we must remember you all as much as we like to blame everyone else (laughs) For our lives. Your life is shaped by your choices. I could choose to be a victim the rest of my life. And that's what I'll be. A poor victim. Poor me. Poor me. Poor me. And my thoughts and my attitudes and my desires would be shaped around that belief. Or I can choose this day. Say, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He's my master. I follow him. And I follow him willingly. I will serve him unto death. Whatever it takes, Lord. I love you and I trust you. I'm a slave unto righteousness. And I will live differently. And I will act differently. I will talk differently. My desires will be different. Because I no longer see myself as the victim. I see myself as one who is righteous. Not because of anything of myself. But because of the one who is righteous. He's holy. Jesus says that he came to do the will of the Father. And in Christ, that is our will. To do the will of the Father. Through his Son, empowered by his Spirit, no longer living for self. There is a way in which you're called to live, you all. I mean, got to get back to Jesus, you all. There's work to be done. Go to Romans chapter 5.
verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Now listen to that. Again, I'm going to challenge you to open up your word this week. Open up these scriptures Meditate upon them. Apply them to your life. And if you're not sure, then ask Him, teach me, show me, Lord. Desire to do what is right. Years ago, this is one of my favorite scriptures when it it was really revealed to me. But now I'm at peace with God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Not by my works, not by anything else, but I can put away my desires. I can crucify the old man, all because of what Jesus did. Not because of anything what Rob has done or Rob will do, but all because of Jesus. Your position is in Christ. He's accomplished everything. That's why this life must be lived to serve at his will. To think his thoughts. The Bible says that you have a sound mind. You've been given the mind of Christ. Think before you act. Give thought to what you're thinking. Why would I want to trade the peace I have with God for what's back there that leads me from him? It doesn't make sense. But I lived that way 28 some odd years. Totally against God, running after my desires, rebelling against Him, and all along Him loving me. All along Him loving you. All along. He loved us, yet though we were in complete rebellion towards Him. But we must not get His love and salvation mixed. Because He loved us, yet though we were in complete rebellion towards Him, but if we died in that rebellion, we're not saved. And we face eternal hell. His wrath. Not because He's not a good God. Not because He doesn't love but because He's just. His love and His goodness does not dismiss His justice. There has to be a penalty for the rebellion of mankind. And that penalty was already given. Jesus took your punishment. So that's why I always say, why would you choose His wrath over His love? Like he knew we couldn't clean ourselves up. He knew we wouldn't live right. So he came. He humbled himself. 
in the form of a man. Jesus, fully God, fully man. He came to set the captives free. He took your punishment so that you would be at peace with God through him. And it doesn't make sense to the, unnat- to, the, to the mind that's not of Christ. When people used to share this with me when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, as an adult, it made no sense to me. Ah, get away from me. I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to do me. It's just who I am. I was born this way. In whatever way you think you were born. But it's sin. Oh, you, you're right. You were born that way because all of us were born into sin. A complete rebellion towards him. And like I said earlier, it's increasing. And it's increasing. And rebellion is just going to get so out of control that when day, the day that God has already appointed, that no man knows, he's going to rip open that eastern sky. <laughs> and he's not coming back. As a little baby, he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming back. And those who belong to him will go with him. Those who don't, oh, you you got what you wanted. And people promote the fact that they're ungodly. And again, you shouldn't be angry at them. It should grieve you like, oh God, because you were once just like them. You were once just like them. And that's why we want to share the good news with people. You ought to be out there sharing the good news. You ought, If you have received it, you can't share what you don't believe. How are you going to tell someone, oh, come to church, come to Jesus, 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 and then you look just like them. I can't tell you how that drove me crazy when I was lost. People want to come up to me and tell me to come to church but will be in bed with me with a joint in their mouth in an hour. What kind of craziness is that? Ain't no one needs your God. (laughs) Are you representing him? Are you representing him? Because you have to. Not because it's forced. Not because he forces you. No, because why wouldn't you? You've been freed. You've been delivered. You're at peace with God now. You want to tell people, this is good news. This is great news. And if people don't want it, that's okay. You didn't want it for some time. I didn't want it for some time. But there came a day in my life There came a day in my life, no matter how I fought him and hated him and blamed him for everything, his love broke through. Here I am, Rob. His love breaks through you all. Everything else is going to fade away, but love will always remain. And not the weird love that we as weird, rebellious people believe in. (laughs) We're all seeking love. And just giving ourselves away. Just to be loved. Just to be loved. Look at me. Like me. Love me. Desire me. (laughs) 
But that desire and that love for that is a one of for God. It's not for you can't find satisfaction in anyone else or anything else on this temporal earth. You can't. Because it's temporal. Gilda's fullness of who Gilda is can't be in the fact that she loves me or I return affection back to her and love her. Though it's nice, but if that is what her wholeness is caught up in, I could drop dead now. And then what? I mean, if you're putting your, your hope and your, and your oh, your fullness into your, your children and, oh, and you're so much, and it's, 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 it's the center of your life, they all could be killed in a car accident. If you're putting your hope and your love in, in, in towards possessions, they could be burnt up. <laughs> then what do you have? Oh, poor me, poor me. Nobody loves me. I'm all alone. And it's this weirdness that we play in the state of rebellion. But in Christ, I'm loved. I'm whole. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. My affections for others, their affections towards me, my possessions or anything else, I don't cling to them tightly. Oh, they're nice to have. And I thank you, Father, for my wife and for my family and my friends and my things. And I want to treasure them as you treasure them, Lord. And you have the right balance to how relationships are and possessions are in your life. Because you have the main one, the main one. God himself. I'm at peace with God. I'm not trading it away for the temporalness of this life. Here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. No, God, I'm trusting you. And the only way you obtain that peace... It's through Jesus, you all. Look at the scripture we just read. Get it before you. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And let's move on to verse 5. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of, look at this, undeserved privilege where we now stand. And look at this. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Did you wake up this morning confident and full of joy and looking forward to sharing in God's glory? Oh, you ought to have if you didn't. And you ought to live that way the rest of your life because you're looking forward to the day of his return. You're just about your father's business, no matter what your age is. If you're saying you're a Christian, then live as a Christian, full of confidence, full of joy, looking forward to the day of his return. And while I'm looking forward to it confidently and full of joy, I am working as unto the Lord, sharing the gospel with people. Minding my own business. Living a simple, peaceful life. <laughs> because our lives are to reflect Him. Come on! 
It goes on here too in verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems. Oh, look at this. And trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance or perseverance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope we not, will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly, look at this, God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And I was hoping there would at least be one or two people who would have said, Amen! <laughs> In agreement! Because we're going through stuff. So not only being right with God through Jesus Christ, having the confidence and the joy of looking forward to His glory, sharing in His glory, and we don't deserve it. Like there's nothing that we did to deserve it. It is undeserved. No, just because He freely gave it. So now we have this confidence, not in and of ourselves, but in Jesus. And so not only do we have that confidence, not only do we have that joy and sharing in his glory, but we know that when trials come, they're there to produce something within us. Think about it. You were once of darkness. That's all you knew. You were a slave to sin, to your desires, to everything this world has to offer. Satan was your master. He was your father, leading you astray, wounding you, destroying you. I told you this over and over. It always has baffled me. That the very thing that you have seen try to destroy your life since you were a child is the very thing you go to. And it doesn't even make sense. How does that make sense? When you are keenly aware of what this type of life does. It has hurt you. It has scarred you. It has abused you. It has torn you down with its mouth. It has enticed you with perversion and addictions. And you would think we would say, I'm going to run from as far away as that as I can. And maybe some of us do. But you know what? You end up just like them. Because that's how the flesh works. That's how the enemy works. He makes everything look good and confuses you. And it looks right. And you give into it. I know it hurt my mom and my daddy, but it won't hurt me in like the way it did them. And you become just as worse as they were. Your mouth is just as destructive as those were. You're just as abusive as they were. 
You're just as much of a drunk and a drug addict and a pervert as much as they were. <laughs> People stand up and testify about God <laughs> and then turn right back from him and go back their old ways. We, gotta, we can't do that any longer. So if me coming to Christ, I've given my life to Christ, I don't know how to live right yet, right? I've accepted him, I believe. So how is he going to work it in me to learn how to stand in him? Trials. Trials. Challenges. How are we going to work out this old man into a new man? Because look what trials do. And did you see the beginning of verse 3? If you have your phone, highlight it. If you have your Bible, circle it. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. How many of you are rejoicing today? as you're facing trials and circumstances. How many of you have gotten up today and rejoiced? Or did you just complain and murmur and fault find? Dismiss it as if it was nothing. Bad attitude. Reacting, overreacting. Oh, it's never going to change. <laughs> Bound up by your insecurities. That is not how we're to live. And you say, Rob, we really can get up and rejoice? Yes, because the Word of God says it. So if I'm not rejoicing and you're not rejoicing, then let's press into God and say, God, Holy Spirit, bring me to a place that I will rejoice. When trials come. Because I know good and well, you'll see me through it. I know it's for my benefit. Because look what it does. It produces endurance. It produces perseverance. And look what that brings. Character. Strong character is being developed in you. And your character is to be more Christ-like. Not more you-like, but Christ-like. And as that character is growing in you, as you're maturing, then hope, hope is brought forth. And that hope is in Jesus. And that hope will never disappoint you. The seasons in my life where I've been so disappointed and so discouraged, I've taken my eyes off of Jesus. If you're sitting here today as a Christian and you're discouraged and you feel like you have no hope, then you've taken your eyes off the very one who is hope. And you're looking at your circumstances, you're looking at people in your life, you're looking at things in your life to dictate if you're hopeful or not. But remember, the circumstances and the people that you're trying to look for to give you hope, they can be gone in an instant. That's what I'm telling you all. 
You can't say, well, when this changes, praise God. No, you praise God even though it hasn't changed. You praise God even though they haven't changed. You praise God. (laughs) You begin to grow up. You begin to acknowledge God and say, Lord, I don't know how to live this life. But here I am. I challenged y'all as I challenged myself in my beginning walk with God. I didn't know how to live. But I knew that he called me out as his own. So I asked him, even to this day, I still ask him, who am I now in Christ? Because remember, your flesh and spirit war against you. And your flesh does not want you to be submitted. Your flesh wants you to run amok. But you must submit willingly. And say, God, I believe. I confess that you are the Son of God. And in this knowledge and understanding, I know that you are for me and not against me. So teach me your ways. Remember what Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you abiding, you all? The way to righteousness is through Christ. It's not through Rob. It's not through all these different ways and and all these different points and steps and all this other stuff. No, it's through Christ and Him alone. Go to Romans 10, verses 1 through 21. Salvation is for everyone, you all. Salvation... Is for everyone. Romans 10, verses 1 through 21. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Listen to that. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. That's a very important verse, verses, especially if you're a new Christian, and even for the older Christians, to draw back to the understanding of the Scripture. We're no different than the Israelites. <laughs> I mean, they had a zeal for God. They showed up to the temple. They prayed. They, they tried their hardest to keep the commandments, and yet they did not know God. They were trying to accomplish something within themselves instead of just trusting in God. And so it is with a lot of people sitting in church today. 
They come to church rather on their own motives or being forced to come. They hear the good news, and to them it's not good news because they're still in bondage and slave to sin, to themselves, to their own woundings and own hurts. And some of them, instead of just receiving the freedom and the salvation in Christ, some of them in their minds will walk out and say, I have to be good, I have to be good, I have to do good, I have to do good. And then they go out and then they say, but I can't do good. <laughs> and so then they say, well, this, I don't want to be a Christian. It's too confusing. Like I just keep doing and doing and doing and doing and I'm trying to be good, but I just keep failing. And so they get discouraged. They don't want to go to church. I don't want to hear anymore. And that's not what it's about at all. They had a zeal for God, but they depended upon themselves. See, Jesus has come, you all. He has fulfilled the law, He has paid the penalty, He invites you in. And you come in knowing good and well that you don't deserve to come in. <laughs> but you say, what? You're offering me a new way? A new life? Wholeness? Peace with God? I'm coming. And I'm coming as I am. And in my coming as I am, and in my rebellion, and in my sin, but in my confession, and my belief, all of a sudden I begin to be transformed because now I'm born again of a new nature. And I don't know how to stand up yet in this new nature. But I'm trusting and believing that Jesus Christ will give me what I need to stand and to live right. So when I do wrong, I don't beat myself up. I just recognize it. God, work it out of me. Because there's nothing I can do because you've already accomplished what is needed. So help me live right. Help me live right. It goes on here. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says... Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the measure is very close and the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Listen to this. Remember this, verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
saved you all. Sealed until the day of redemption, until he returns. You belong to Jesus. And like I said earlier, don't get his love and salvation confused. Those who are saved are saved. They believe. They confess with their heart. I mean, they believe in their heart. They confess with their mouth. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That God raised him from the dead. And if you truly believe that, if you truly confess that, that changes your life. You've been born again of a whole new nature. And you're not making it about law. You're not making it about the do's and the don'ts. You're just making it about Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. But see what religious men and women do and what religious institutions do, they try to add to what Jesus has done. Don't touch this. Don't eat that. Worship this day. Worship that day. Dress like this. Don't dress like that. Act like this. Act like that. And we burden people instead of giving them the freedom of truly understanding what Christ did. He fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with the law because in Christ, I'm not going to murder. In Christ, I will not lust. In Christ, I will not have a bad attitude and be filled with anger. In Christ, I'm not going to allow my past to haunt me. In Christ, I am whole. I am new. I'm in Christ. There is a way in which I'm living now, and I'm freely living it. It's not a burden to be a Christian. If your Christian life is a burden, you're not a Christian. You're religious. You're religious. You're to be filled with the confident hope and joy of the day of sharing in His glory that you didn't deserve. And so you just start living right. Of the way to righteousness, to right living with God is through Jesus. Listen to what this is saying. And then it goes on. But how can they, verse 14, call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how would anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Are you sharing good news, you all? With your friends, with your family, with your co-workers, with people out and about. Are you sharing? Because how else are they ever going to believe? How else? And if you can't go overseas to share, well, then you, there's a little jar right there. You can put something in. Because of your belief in Jesus, to see other people know him, let's send Norma to Turkey. <laughs> to a closed country where they don't have the right to worship like we worship. Believe. Send people. If you can't go overseas, send others to go. But you can't go through your school. 
You can't go through your job. You can go through the store. You're out and about in the city. Like, God, give me an opportunity to share with someone the good news. Ooh, I'm free. I'm free. And I'm not free to live how I want to live, but I'm free to live how Jesus has purposed us to live in Christ. And that's why it fascinates me when we hear all these weird things being added on to the Christian life. You don't add things on to this Christian, that Christian. No, you're just a Christian. Remember, you're not adding Jesus to your life. That's not being a Christian. No matter how much you're moved and you weep and you pray and you read, doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian? Belief, confessing, and then living righteously. Not in and of yourself, but all in Christ. Verse 16, But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. That's the only way. But I, ha- but I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the world, I mean, the words all to the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation, and I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And later Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. And you say, what does that mean, Rob? As it was with Israel, so it is today. People sitting in church. They're hearing the good news. God has his arms open to receive them. But in their disobedience and rebellion, they say no. And either they can say no, being comfortable in their religious state of mind, or they'll just know within their lost state of mind. Both ways they're lost. And people who weren't even looking for God, it says, people who weren't even asking God to show himself to them, they are found. Because when he reveals himself, they respond. And that drives religious people crazy. That an ex-drug addict, prostitute, homosexual, wife abuser, child molester, ex-masturbator, ex-gossiper, ex-thief, ex-murderer. 
Let them stand up and testify of the goodness of God. Their life is completely transformed by the power of God because of their faith and their belief in Christ. And it bothers religious people. It irritates religious people. How can this be? Look what God just said. I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking me. But as for Israel, remember, his people, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. They didn't want him. They wanted the religion. And remember how I said and described the people who were radically saved? They were ex. They're not a prostitute Christian. They're not an alcoholic Christian. They're not a gay Christian. They're not a backbiter, slandering Christian. <laughs> They're Christians who've been radically saved and delivered because they've responded with God revealing himself to them through his son Jesus. Remember, God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. So if you're sitting here today and you got an attitude problem with God, I don't want to be in church. I, I can care less about God. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Oh, well, be more than happy to go and do. But trust me when I say this to you. God has revealed himself to you. Why would you not want to respond? Where are you going to run to? What anger and hurts and cares of this world are you holding against God? As if he was the one who caused them. Remember what I said earlier about that Satan? He wants your affections. He wants to entice you to long for him. He always comes to portray God in the wrong image. Remember, don't learn your, your theology. Don't learn about God from the devil. You're angry at God. You don't want to be in church. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. Well, you better hear me clear today. Satan's got a hold of your heart and your mind. Because you have a wrong perception of who God is. God is love. And his love draws us in. It's his kindness that brings us to a place of repentance. But Satan would tell you all these lies about God. He would captivate you, your affections and your hurts and everything about it. And we would even blame God. But don't be deceived, you all. Don't walk in deception when you've heard truth. You better ask God. God, help me through it. Because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, and with all of your strength. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Two more verses and I'm wrapping up. 1 Peter <coughs> chapter 3, verse 8 through 22. Instructions to Christians on how we're to live and then also 
given us the understanding that we are going to suffer for doing what is right. Did y'all hear that? Unless we think that the Christian message and the gospel message is just to bring some type of weird security on this earth. That is not the Christian faith. Because you, as a Christian, we are informed in God's word that we are just passing through. We're not residents here. We're passing through. That's why we have confidence. That's why we have the joy of sharing in his glory. He's coming again. And that's how we're living. In preparation for his return. But if they hated him, they're going to hate you. You just doing what is right is going to irritate people. It's going to irritate people. And if that doesn't give you understanding of the spiritual war that's taking place. We're living in a day when doing what is right is wrong. It's the most craziest thing. I mean, I'm telling you, when I see these nine-year-old, 11-year-old kids, boys, dressing up as girls, putting on drag shows, people applauding, people throwing money at them, listen, you all. If you've never been to a gay club, I grew up in them. I know what it's like. I know what goes behind the scenes of the drag shows because I used to work them. I know the filth that are in those bars. And now it's acceptable to bring little boys, dress them as women, and have them perform, and everyone applauds. Oh, it's cute, it's cute. If grown men wanna do it, well, whatever. But we as a culture are is now saying that is acceptable? And then for someone to stand up and, and, and say, we need to protect those children. What they're going to see, what they're going to hear, what they're, what they're going the environment that they're going to be in, we are looked at as being evil. What kind of craziness is this? Ah, yeah, you're just full of hate, you're not full of love. Listen, I grown men want to do it. Let grown men do it. They have a right. Who's protecting these children? And now you can be whatever you want to be. But if you stand up and you say, listen, and you uphold truth, you are looked at as being evil. It's crazy. What is right is looked at to be wrong. <laughs> and you can talk to your blue in the face, but they will look at you as if you're evil. And that's what I'm telling you. It's on the increase, and it's only going to get worse. 
Like I said earlier, we are now living in a culture in a nation where you can have an abortion at nine months. And if you stand up and you say, wait a minute, no, no, that's a lie. You're, you are looked at as being evil. And it's no different. Unless you think I'm just hitting the top sins, that's throwing another top sin. People who have an anger problem, running their mouth, gossiping, backbiting, blah, blah, throwing up on everybody. Hold them accountable and see how they respond to you. I have a right to say what I want. Oh. And now all of a sudden, you look bad. And they're going to go tell someone about you. You see how sin is? Do you see how evil and wicked things are? And it's on the increase. You say, well, where's the good news? The church is still on the earth. There's the good news. If you're sitting here and you're a Christian, there's work to be done. People are dying and going to hell, but you have the good news. Share it. Open your mouth. Declare it. Live it. Get out there, you all. Start impacting this generation with truth. Oh, they're going to hate me. Well, we're going to hear that we're warned. They are going to hate you because they hated him. Jesus came. God himself, love, came down. And they crucified him. They spit on his face. They slapped him. They mocked him. They pierced his side. So don't find it strange when they do the same things to you. Chapter 3, 1 Peter, instructions for Christians. Verse 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep, look at this, a humble attitude. And do you know who he's writing to? The church. He's not asking the world to live this way. The world's not going to understand it. But Christians, listen to how you're to be living. Are you living this way? And if not, why aren't you? Don't go beat yourself up. You just got to be real. Be tender-hearted and keep a hum- humble attitude. Don't look at, listen, listen to this. Don't repay evil for evil. So what I said to you, get the word before you this week. Meditate upon it. Walk in it. It can be lived. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want, listen to this, please everyone, pay attention. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Oh, Verse 11, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. 
The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Insult someone else again. And then pray your little prayers as if God's going to work on your behalf. Come on. Oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying six hours a day. Oh, the Lord is speaking to me. But you don't have a tongue that encourages and edifies. You just tear down. You just talk so nasty. God's face is turned against you. But let the enemy keep enticing the church for our affections. Oh, it's okay. You're provoked to anger. Respond. Oh, it's okay. Look how they treated you. Insult them. It's okay. It's okay to be enticed by that. Get into it. It'll make you feel good for a moment. Listen, you all. If it can't be lived, it wouldn't be here. Do we not hear what God is saying? If you want a full life, remember that life I said earlier? Jesus comes to give you life and life in abundance. You want a full life? You want many happy days? Then live right. The way to righteousness. Jesus. Live through him. Take thoughts captive that don't agree with his word and bring them into obedience. Learn his word. You're not living right because you don't know the word. You're not applying the word. Jesus lived out who he was. Christians all throughout centuries have lived out who they were, even those who were nailed up to a post and lit on fire so that the lost people can walk through the city of Rome. Christians used to be used for streetlights. There's a sign downstairs that says, basically, are you living a life? <laughs> that if you were to be basically on trial for being a Christian, would you be found guilty? Would they find you guilty and say, that's a Christian? String her up and light her up. And you say, well, I don't want to live that life. What other life are you going to choose to live? One that's going to experience the wrath of God for eternity? Oh, that little, it's an instant. You're with Jesus. Or are you going to be scared of, of a man that can destroy your body? And not be afraid of the one who, the Bible says, who can destroy your soul and send you to hell. That's what the Bible says. That's not what the preacher says. What are you afraid for the templeness? Ooh, they're going to get me. Lock me in prison. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to mock me. I'm going to have to eat lunch by myself. No one's going to like me. And? You want to live a popular life where everyone is liking and loving and this and that and responding to all your weird social media stuff? 
we're, we're living in a culture where we find our worth on social media with people that we have no relationships with and yet we think they're, they're our friends. It's the most craziest thing. We seek it. If we would put as much seeking of God as much as we do on our phones, <laughs> our lives will look different. This is how we're to live. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, all who want to harm you, if you are eager to do good. I'm sorry, let me, let me say that again. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Notice it didn't say, and if someone asks you your hope as a believer, just tell them you're a new Christian and you can't explain it. It doesn't say that. And yet, that's what keeps us from sharing. Well, I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot. I, I don't know what to say. Well, if you've confessed and you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and he was raised from the dead and you have been born again and there's changes, transformation that's starting to take place in your life, you have a lot to say of the hope that you have. Of the hope that you have. Verse 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Look at that. You're not to beat people over the head with the Bible. Huh. Not to beat them over the head with the Bible. You should first talk about his loving kindness that leads them to <clears throat> repentance. Because as much as he's a loving God, we need to share that. But then we also need to talk about the eternal consequences of not repenting. And eternal hell, his wrath. You can't just give them the wrath without the love. And you can't give them the love without the wrath. But you ought to share the love first. And remember like I've always told you. Tell them about the king before you start telling them about the benefits of the kingdom. That's why the prosperity gospel is huge. Because everyone's enticed by the blessings. What? I can have this, I can have that, I can have this, I can have that, I can name it and claim it. And they don't have the king. Like you need to talk about Jesus, the king of kings, before you start promoting his kingdom and the benefits of being in Christ. So do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. <coughs> Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. 
He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to spirits to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. That's beautiful, you all. I don't know about you, but your conscience has been cleansed. All the guilt and the shame from your old life is gone if you're in Christ. You live differently now because you have a clear conscience. When you don't have a clear conscience, you still act the way you were. You still act back here. But you can wake up. You can get up from your chair today if you're in Christ and you can walk out afresh and anew because you have a clear conscience. What are you guilty of? See, guilty people react weird. If you're not guilty, what are you guilty of? A clear conscience. Say what you want, say what you need, whatever. It's not going to affect me because I've been forgiven. Could you imagine walking? If you got up today, truly, if if each of you got up today from where you're at and you say, you know what, I'm a Christian because I believe in Christ. I confess that he rose from the dead. I'm a new creation. I'm not guilty of anything. I can walk afresh and anew. And when the enemy comes to bombard your mind, you push back and say, well, that's a lie. And I'm not a child of yours any longer. Because I'm a child of truth now. When the world comes to entice you of all of its drunk, you say, I have no need to find my worth in that. And when your flesh is hungry for the, just the junk, <coughs> you remind yourself, oh, flesh, as much as I participated by your leading, I will not be led by you any longer. You will submit yourself to God. Are you talking this way? See, people are not moved by the things of God because they see no power in it. But, on the flip side of that, they're not even moved when they see power. Because as long as someone's a slave to sin, a slave to their woundings, a slave to their insecurities, a slave to their desires, their anger, their blech. It doesn't matter what or where. <laughs> it's not till they call upon the name of the Lord. Like, listen, God has been with y'all since that first moment you took your breath. 
And you say, well, my life's been hell. And I say, well, are you going to keep living that way then? <laughs> it fascinates me. I don't want Jesus. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to go to church. Well, then what is your other option? To remain just as crazy as you are right now? To remain caught up in the chaos and the craziness of your homes and of your hearts and of this world? What is your option? Are you going to do something different than people have tried all throughout generations and generations and generations and generations? Oh, I don't think so. You know how many religions and faiths are in, on this earth? And look at the mess. Because people keep running from God. But like I said, you all, you say, well, then what's the good news? The church is still on the earth. The Holy Spirit has not been drawn up from here. And as long as we have breath in our bodies, there's work to be done. It doesn't matter how you will suffer, what you will have to endure. Get up over yourself and press into what God has for us, you all. I'm going to close in chapter 4 here. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Did you hear that? Get up every day, be ready. Oh, let me not forget to point out, do you see where Christ is at now? He is seated in the place of honor next to God. <coughs> on the throne, you all. See, our message is just not the cross. If it was just the cross, it would be foolish. But his resurrection. He defeated sin and death. And look, every authority and every power submit now to Jesus. Even the enemy. Even demons. They submit now to Jesus. They always have, they always will. It goes on here. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your life, look at this, chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You will have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and terrible worship of idols. Did y'all see that? And please, please listen to the next one. All right, so now you're living differently. You're not giving in to how everyone else is living because you're willingly submitted yourself to God. You're living in right standing with God through Jesus Christ. And look at verse 4. Of course, your formal friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. Oh! Yes! You're going to have to move away from some people. You're going to have to stop going back to the old man. To the old woman. You're going to have to go back, stop going back to old relationships. Why are you trying to bring something old into something new? Well, because I just need it. They make me feel this and they make me, oh, I just, uh, what? Remember, the devil is lying to you. He's enticing you. 
And you're still going to fall prey to that? No, no, no. Suffer. Cut ties. Change your phone number. (laughs) Stop going back. Stop going back to the old ways. If I just have one more drink. What? You're a fool. (laughs) I'll just look at porn one more time. For what? For what? I'll just say what I say and say what I mean. And? For what? That's not how you're supposed to be living. There's a new way to live. And look, your old former friends are going to wonder what on earth is wrong with you that you're not still doing wrong with us. See, that's how people should be seeing your life. They shouldn't be just seeing you saying, Jesus, I'll go to church. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian now. And then you're acting a fool at the party with them. What are you doing there? Well, I didn't want them to think any less of me. Lies. You went there for your own reasons. Because you wanted that drink. You wanted that attention. You wanted to spout out and be rebellious. People ought to look at your life and say, why aren't you any longer giving in to the wildness and the destructive things you did before? Yes, you're going to be you're going to lose family members, you're going to lose friends, you're going to lose people. Because those who are bound to death and destruction, they want you to die with them. So just get an understanding of that. They're not going to applaud you because now you're a Christian, you're living different. They're going to be the first to throw up you your your old life to you. They're going to be the first And let me tell you something. And if they call themselves a Christian, and hear this clearly. If I'm calling myself a Christian and all I do is throw up your past to you, understand that person is not a Christian. That's the devil himself. Because who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan. So I want to give you the right, because that's what the Bible gives us, to say, get behind me, Satan. Say what you want about my past. I'm a new creation. You're right. Thanks for reminding me (laughs) that I've been set free. See, start saying like that the next time people start putting you down. They already think you're crazy. (laughs) Begin to rejoice. Oh, keep talking, Satan. Say that. (laughs) Because it's just reminding me how great my God is. Because you are right. I want you to be filthy. But God has cleansed me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and you done preach yourself happy. <laughs> and then you're not walking away feeling all down. Oh, I'm just, uh, oh, they put me down. Oh, oh, they just keep throwing my past in front of me. Oh, 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 shaking and quivering. The devil done beat you up all over the place. We got to stop it, you all. We got to stop it. They don't know why you're not doing these things anymore. But look, verse 5, but remember that they will have to face God, Jesus, (laughs) who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. 
Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. That's how we're to be living, you all. Thinking of others better than we think about before we think of ourselves. And then finally, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all of the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, You will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murdering, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Did you hear that? But But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God, to the God who created you, for he would never fail you. Power to be living, you all. Trusting in God and God alone. See, our suffering is not by our own doing. I love how Scripture reminds us of that. If you're prying into other people's business and you're suffering, and that's you, that's on you. That's not righteous suffering. But if you're suffering for the sake of Christ, that's righteous suffering. Endure it. Press in, you all. We just finished the book, Letters to the Church. And it talks about keeping church simple. I love the question that was proposed to us as the church. If all we had was just the Bible, the cup, and the bread, would that be enough? It should be. The Word and Communion. Listen, we need to grow, you all. We need to grow up. We need to mature. Your lives should begin to start impacting others with the good news of Christ. It's important. And I wanted to share these questions with you that I'm, go- I'm hoping, and they'll be captured in the notes. But I want to encourage you as we begin to open up the Word of God and start walking through it again. I posted a message by Pastor David Platt. Um, last Monday. It's called Maps. 
M-A-P-S. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. It's an incredible sermon to encourage you on how to read the Bible and how the Bible is to be active in your life. Here are the questions that he encouraged his congregation that I said, you know what? These are questions that every Christian should be asking themselves when they open up the Word of God. So the first one, what does this passage teach about who God is? You say, when you open up the Word, I don't know how to read this. This doesn't make sense to me. These questions will help you as the Holy Spirit is teaching you to have understanding and wisdom to the Word of God. So when you open up the Word of God, that's going to be one of the top questions. What does this passage teach me about who God is? Second, what does it say about who Jesus is and how are we to follow him? Then, what does it say about me? How am I to live? Then, what is happening in this passage? Who wrote it? And who was originally reading this? When is it taking place? And then finally, what does it teach me about trusting God to walk with Him? Remember, this is the living Word of God. It's alive and active. Every word, though penned by man, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And do you realize this one book has been tried throughout the generations to be torn down, torn apart, and removed. So you better ask the question, why would so many people throughout the generations hate that book? It's greater than people. Satan. And the rulers and the principalities of the era which you cannot see. Understand there's a war for your soul. Understand it. And I say it not to woo, scare you. But the reality is, it is what it is. So don't remain ignorant to the word, you all. And then finally, I've been encouraging you all to pray this prayer. Pray it until you memorize it and pray until you can just pray it for yourself, for us, and for others. Lord, help us to pray fervently. Avoid sin victoriously. Learn God's way deeply. Give to God cheerfully. Worship God faithfully. Glorify God consistently. Love God wholeheartedly. And trust God immediately. Lord, help me. Lord, help us. We are a family, you all. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not believing and pretending that everyone sitting here is a Christian. In fact, by some of the way you live, and I know you're not. <laughs> but it would be my hope that you would come to Jesus. I'm going to love you either way. Because God loves you either way. But just as it's his desires, is my desires that you would be saved. Not just know that you're loved, but that you're saved. And so I'm praying for you all. I'm asking for you all to pray for each other. Encourage each other. Listen, I, 
I know that we all come from all different backgrounds and we all have all these desires and things within us. And I told you a few Sundays ago, the law should be coming into church. They should be coming in and still who they are, not knowing what's what, what's where, but they should hear the good news. And we don't hold them up to the standard of a Christian life if they're not a Christian. <laughs> but if one accepts Christ and becomes a Christian, they are born again. And then we disciple them so that we can grow, that we can mature in our faith walk. The last thing I want to share and I'm going to bring back to, to us is how should we should be living these characteristics that our brothers and sisters overseas live. You should be devoted to the Word of God. You should be committed to prayer. You should be sharing the gospel if you're a Christian. You should be expecting miracles. Are you praying and are you believing you all? And you should, be in you should embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus. You should embrace it. And I would dare say, if you're not suffering as a Christian, you're not living as one. Especially in this day and age. Maybe a generation or two ago. I just want you to be aware of how you should be living, how you can study the Bible, Open up the Word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, whatever, all of this, and that's fine too. I still love you. But my heart breaks. Because why would you choose wrath over His love? It makes no sense. So I'm going to close this out with this last song. And then I'll close this in prayer.